Hey, what's up, everyone? Before we get to this week's episode, I do want to inform you that I accidentally recorded the first half with my webcam microphone. I, too, don't know why this is the way I am, but uh, about halfway through, my audio will pick up better. And one more apology to our director for having to clean up what sounds like me recording in my bathroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey B. MTG. <gasps> what is up, bro? Hey, what's going on, bro? No complaints <laughs> from me. Ready to, uh, you know, talk some Crimson Vow standard here, hoping that a lot has been different since I've been oh, out of town this last week. So I'm expecting it to things. be of huge change. Tons of changes. You won't even believe all the changes that are occurring in Standard. Good, I can't wait. I can't wait. Speaking of changes, we've got a special (laughs) guest this week. And, you know, since Hallbreaker Horror is the talk of the town, we wanted to bring in someone who is now horrible at the game of Magic the Gathering, and that is none other than Corey B. MTG. What is up, bro? what up? It is an honor and a privilege (laughs) to be have such a great honor of being horrible at Magic the Gathering. I was much lower than horrible before, so I feel like I've been leveling up. So thank you for having me, bro. Yeah, after after winning the Invitational, you are you are now not bad, actually. Oh, but, hell so, yeah. so, so that was my bad. But but who is horrible is Brian Brown doing. Mm. It, it's yeah. an honor and a privilege to be <laughs> special guest on this podcast. That's great. I, I hope everything's you know going fine for you, Brian. All right, and so uh, you can find this complaint. podcast. You can find this podcast on Popping <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Was that your complaint that we didn't get to that plug sooner, BBD? Well, one of many, but uh, mm. that was my main complaint. Okay, my secondary complaint is that you know, for all this talk about how I'm horrible at the game of Magic, you guys forgot to tell. There's two sides to every story. Okay. Okay. You forgot to tell how I'm great at hole breaking. Okay? <laughs> like You're breaking the holes or is is that is that why is that why you're not allowed on, you know, uh Carnival Cruises anymore? <laughs> no, that was from uh theft of proprietary information, actually. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Completely unrelated, surprisingly enough, but makes perfect. Sense. I hope that litigation sense. is going well. I hope you get the same lawyer as uh, the Rittenhouse guy. <laughs> yeah, actually, guy. yeah, same judge, <laughs> or, same or I mean lawyer. The same judge, yeah, yeah, same judge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just cry a little bit, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, today we're talking about new standard, and by new, it's kind of the same, but. Uh, We'll get into that and, and break it all down for y'all. Um, but yeah, the 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 Innistrad cards came out, I think, just last week, right? Yeah, just this last Thursday uh, was available for everyone to play and, you know, had some big events this weekend to help shape Hell, yeah. the metagame. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, think I, I think I want to talk about that for a second. Uh, I, I want to, you know, props to my company, MTG Melee, because mm-hmm. we had... You know, the news that come on Thursday, and I think this is the first time ever that there were over 
like 2,000 competitors playing New Standard days after. Jesus. Just days after. We had the, the Crokies tournament was almost 500 people. That started at 5 a.m. on Saturday. And then Red Bull started at 11, and that was uh, almost 1,000 people playing. The Hooglandia tournament also happened on Sunday. But, like, we have never had that surge the the very week. Like, I'm looking at the MTG Melee Premium Artet Matrix, and you guys have access to it, which... Honestly, another plug, if any of you out there want access to your own data matrix at any time, even after like round by round updates, uh, go get MTG Melee Premium. It's $4 a month. It gives you that text pairings. Both of those are awesome. Um, But this matrix was slick for me because I was like, I get week one information right away. So after three rounds of, you know, Red Bull tournament, which is having a thousand people paired against each other. I was like, I'm going to get a good swath of information. And I did, but there's a problem. You want to know the problem? What is it? It's the same fucking data as a month ago. Yeah. So are you sure it's new or did they yeah, maybe did it's MTG broken. Melee just get you? Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> maybe our code's broken. Um, <laughs> yeah. It seems like there's a lot of like new decks that popped up in some smaller numbers, but like, the big three are still there. Mono white, mono green is an epiphany. And it's uh, it's kind of the same shift that we saw at the beginning of um, our last Innistrad set. But before yeah. we get into the standard portion of the show, we want to thank our new patrons of the Bash Bros podcast. Uh, we, we don't have any, Brian. And now to the standard portion of the <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Zero People, for yeah. supporting <laughs> the Match Rose podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. God, thank you for that, Brian. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and before we really get into it, I want to thank one of our newest sponsors as well. It's the movie The Matrix. Uh, mm. You know, we, we're the, you can watch Reloaded. You can watch the original. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's I'll shut up. Wow. No love for well, revolutions. Dude, I, don't know, like, I, couldn't so, I couldn't remember you. the third one. <laughs> dude, I'll be honest. If we're going to if we're going to spend a little time dicking around. Um, That's not us. Uh, we don't do that. Yeah, It's not us. <laughs> The last, like, month and a half has kind of been dry for content. Ever since Ted Lasso kind of went down, like, there's not been a lot. Like, I've I've caught up on a few shows that I've been meaning to, like Secession. Um, you know, everyone talks about it. I finally watched it. It's great. Uh, yeah, I've heard good that, things I, about that show, but also it's doesn't very, interest me. Yeah, it's very good. But, yeah, I can see why it won't interest you. <laughs> but, like, we've got The Wheel of Time coming in a, in a week or something. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Or is that is that like in a few days actually? Oh, is that the uh, new Matrix movie? Might be today even that it comes out. Is that the Wheel new Matrix time. movie? No, no, no. no. It's, it's oh. a book series, The Wheel of Time. Oh, okay. Doing a TV show yeah. of it. It uh And then there's the fr- there is uh Friday. It's Friday it comes out this Friday. There's something coming out in December that's I know Spider Man is. Spider Man there's another. Sh- I feel like there's another show that comes out in December, though. Man, I'm just waiting for that uh, Serena Williams, Vanessa Williams movie with Will Smith to come out. That's what I'm super excited yeah, for. The, that movie's gonna like, be awesome. <laughs> I hope it's good. Like the problem, like you love Will Smith. Love him. Uh, I, I mean, I used to love him, but like he, he's 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 the new Nicolas Cage to me. Yeah. Where <laughs> you might get you might get a like Oscar worthy performance out of him. And then the next thing, it's like, are you even trying, bro? <laughs> <laughs> like, did you, you did not come to work today. <laughs> well, I disagree. Every Will Smith movie is perfect. Starting with Fresh Oof. Prince of Bel-Air. That was a perfect series. 
that was probably the best Will Smith movie that has ever been made. (laughs) (laughs) I said, Siri, shut up. Look, I love, I love me a lot of Will Smith stuff. Mm -hmm. Men in Black. Uh, What's the, I Am Legend. Loved it. Men in Black 2. Fine. Fine. (laughs) Men in Black 3. Definitely not worth it. The reboot. Awful. Really? I thought the reboot was okay. The the reboot is okay if you were just fine with something ridiculously cheesy and like half cocked. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, like for as reboots go, it's fine. Most reboots are heinous. Like the only reboot that I've seen in the last few years that I was like, this deserved a reboot was it. Those movies were awesome. So uh, my girlfriend who's in the other room and can hear only my end of this podcast has informed me that Witcher <laughs> season two is also coming out. <laughs> Perfect. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's speaking it. speaking of which, uh, the guy who's the Witcher, whose name I'm I'm blanking on right now, is also Superman. He I was just gonna say Superman. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is uh, now doing like he's playing Highlander in a Highlander reboot. So nice. I'm about yeah, to, I'm like about to just... be told the actor's name, Henry K- <laughs> Cavill. That's what it is. <laughs> Being Ryan, fed, I we... have a teleprompter actually for this episode of the Bash <laughs> can we, can podcast. We just, can we just get her in? Yeah, can we just get you just, off the podcast? Just, yeah, uh, just, just yeah. bring her in. Ne- next week, a different special guest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fair. It, I mean, it is fair. So, uh, yeah, but I, I'm I'm excited about those. I, I'm mostly excited for Spider Man because I just they've hyped the the way that this one has played out, like multiverse one and potentially the old like all the old enemies are back so the the other spider-man have to be in it but they're they're hiding that yeah i am cautious i'm skeptical i'm i'm cautiously optimistic about this one the trailers that i've seen kind of make it look a little cheesy slash contrived i'm a little nervous about that but so let me google contrived real quick (laughs) <laughs> for Corey, because Corey doesn't up. know. Yeah, yeah, right. you, we, yeah. You want you want to, when you explain it to Corey, who doesn't know what it means. You yeah, need to so contrived core is deliberately created rather than arising natural or spontaneity. I already knew that. I googled it faster than you. So perfect. Uh, no, what but so yeah. What I mean by that is like basically the definition of it, where it feels like some of the events that are part of the story are not something that logically follows the way characters would act, but rather is done specifically to get them to a certain part of the plot or whatever. I was just going to bring that up. Um, uh, Amber and I have drawn a line together because after the trailers, it's like none of this seems like it's actually uh, the doctor, whatever, Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange. Yeah. It does. I do not think that's Dr. Strange. Uh, you think it's like a fake Doctor Strange? I think it's something to to manipulate Spider Man. Hmm. Like he rolls up to him, t- and he's like, "I can do this thing, but don't mess it up." But he messes it up because it doesn't it doesn't seem like something Doctor Strange would do. Like, why would he risk co- total catastrophe to help this kid that way? Like, because he wouldn't even use certain powers at certain times because of the you know, in, in way more apocalyptic like events because mm-hmm. of what they can actually do. And now there's just this episode where it's like, I'm just going to help this kid out. 
I don't believe that. I believe that it's some sorcerer or something that needed Spider-Man for something to happen. I, I, if, if it is him, they have to write something really strong to make me believe. Because then I would agree with you that it's contrived. Because it doesn't make any sense that Doctor Strange would do this. That's the part that is the most contrived to me. However, I am excited about... Uh, what is this, Dr. Octavius or whatever his name is? Oh, yeah, Doc Ock in it. I mean, yeah. all of them are in it. Did you see the new trailer that came out yesterday? I did see it. I did see it. I'm, yeah. I'm debating on how much it's worth. Like, even though it's a publicly viewed trailer, I, I still don't want to spoil too much of it for people. Oh, yeah, let's just let them go watch <laughs> the new trailer. Because, yeah, I mean, watching the trailer was a moment for me. But that is the that is the part of the movie that gives me hope that it is a good movie, is specifically that character. So... Damn, I really want it. Nope, you know what? I'm going to take it back. It's just a trailer. Pause this, go watch it, come back. Now we can spoil. Boom. Um, Did it. Yeah, it's <laughs> solved. It's three minutes of your time. You already <laughs> waste all your fucking time on this podcast listening to it. You can go waste three more minutes mid-podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, and know, now so that you're back, I hope you enjoyed it. it. In fact, <laughs> I would go so far as to say is that might be the most valuable three minutes of this entire <laughs> <Yes>. podcast. <laughs> so um, calling it no, a waste. So, I mean. <laughs> so at the end, when he's shooting the web down to catch, uh, what's her name? Yeah. Uh, what not Mary Jane, what's her name? Oh. I forgot. It's the other one. Does anyone can anyone help me? I don't I have no idea. I don't know. I don't I don't know Spider I don't know Spider Man well enough to remember that kind of those kinds of details, like the names of uh, the main characters. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, the, the, his his love interest, his girlfriend, yeah. he reaches down to catch her falling. Right. The exact same as the amazing Spider Man did. Which I feel like that is the foreshadowing that those two are coming out. I just think that us as, you know, fan sleuths as a, a unit, we like sleuth out that they're actually in this because um, people literally figured out, like, looking into, like, how money gets it or, or flights and stuff like that. Um, and I think the trailer is, you know, foreshadowing that they'll be there. Could be for sure. Because in the Amazing Spider-Man, that exact scene <laughs> happened, and Mary Jane died. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I, 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 I was going to say, fan sleuthing is like simultaneously incredibly impressive and also incredibly horrible at the same time. It's like I, I just remember with Game of Thrones, like fans piecing together all these like intricate things that were actually correct. But at the same time, you'll also get these fans with these like horrible theories that are like, there's no way they could, and everyone's like latching onto them. It's like, come on, there's no way that's going to be like what it is. And it, and it isn't or whatever. I don't know. I feel like it's just it, the, the variance you get from fan sleuthing is so high. I will just say that our fan sleuthing on that drive from the eclipse kept us all sane. Yeah. I mean, remember that correctly. I mean, we still have to thank fan sleuthing for your amazing catfish story. I mean, that that was <laughs> glorious. Oh yeah, I mean that is that is fan sleuthing done right. Yeah, yeah. that you're, is you're, that, that is beautiful. But yeah, oh yeah, I do I do recall that. Yeah, we were, I don't know we if you remember this story. Our, we were losing it on that one, Corey. So so BBD and I went to a tournament. We flew overnight, landed in Charlotte. We got picked up by by Brian's ex and Amber. Mm-hmm. to go to the Eclipse line. You remember there's like a line down the nation? Uh, for the no. Eclipse. There was a, oh, lunar, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lunar Eclipse. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, but but so we actually drove to one of the spots where it would be a full eclipse. You fan sleuth the sky? No, no, no. Oh, okay. but, but we didn't <laughs> we didn't account for the fact that every single interstate would be jam-packed afterwards. Oh, uh, yeah. So we found a place to watch it that was great. And then once we got in the car, we realized we made a big mistake. And this was like, you know how escaping like a stadium or a festival for the first hour is horrible? Oh, yeah. I just did it at the Denver Broncos yeah, game and it was this a fucking was nightmare. <laughs> for 14 hours. Oh, my God. Like we were seven like hours away, which was only a few hundred miles or whatever. Yeah. But but like we, we were already in, you know, North Carolina, which is, you know, hundreds of miles away from where we were. And you'd still go to an exit. And it's full. Well, like the gas like so station's full. The restaurants are full. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, we even behind are... the Seven Eleven was full. Like you had to wait in line. <laughs> to fit behind yeah, the 7-11. yeah. <laughs> Is that when you full. use the the dumpster BVD? No, <laughs> but I did Different use story. the area behind the dumpster. There we go. But yeah, it took us like fourteen hours to drive home. Everyone was tired because we all started our day super early, and about. 10 hours in, we were losing our minds until Amber's like, let's just think about Game of Thrones theories. And, oh, yeah. it, and it actually worked. <laughs> it was right. bad, though. Yeah, it had, speaking of which, I had an entire drive to a three-hour magic tournament with Eric where we only discussed Name of the Wind theories the entire three-hour drive. <laughs> uh, and it was great. I mean, that was awesome. Fun. That is a uh, fantasy book series. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You lost me a book. Yes, I know. They'll probably make it. They'll probably make it into a show at some point. Then I'm in. <laughs> then I'm in. Uh, I mean, I, I just remember taking Eric on a trip and him having to be our GPS, and we ended up in a farm. Yeah. And then on the way back, an actual I... like someone's private property. And then I <laughs> drove him back, and he was the GPS, and we were in like the bowels of west virginia somehow well this just seems like this is your guys's bad for letting him gps at this point <laughs> oh it's, yeah it's... i mean fool me once with brad but really it's on me for the fool me twice yeah. part so. yeah there we go <laughs> all right all right so let's actually talk magic um, all right let's do it but yeah so we had these three big tournaments plus a few others and uh getting back to the matrix it pretty much showed that mono white was one of the best decks at 58 percent one percentage Mono Green and Is It Epiphany both had roughly 53%. Is It Dragons, Demir Control, Rakdos, uh, Selesnia Humans, the new Selesnia Humans, that's kind of like a band deck, but they're splashing. And Team of Treasures all had sub 50%. And then there's the only outliers are Jun Treasures, which is a new variant on the Green Red, but it's, instead of splashing counter spells, it's playing the. Uh, Immerstorm Predator. Yeah, and, Immerstorm yeah. Predator. And some of them are now trying Florian, which is also pretty cool vampire for a three drop I've yeah, i think that card that is card. just really good yeah it's yeah. very good it just needs then, a home and then on our in our top 10 list uh orzov control also had a good one percentage but the the fun fact about this deck and this will like this will be the uh the start of of you know why everything's kind of the same is the deck had a positive one percentage against mono white and mono green which it played a ton of times but it won zero out of 11 matches against is epiphany it was close though. All of them were close. Yeah, all of them were close, and <laughs> and, it, and it and it went two and eight against um, is a dragon. So for broad strokes to set this all up, if you looked at the at the matrix and 
for future reference, I'm not going to always break it down, but it's a good topic here. Uh, so go support my website. We'd appreciate it. Uh, and get this free data. Or not free, but Oh, you know got him. Nice try. <laughs> and uh, get this free data after you pay for it. Right. Yeah, then it's free yeah, for a then month. then it's free. Free for a month, uh, and then you got to pay for it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you look at the data, it just shows that is it Epiphany is has a sub fifty percent win percentage against Mono White, Mono Green, and that beats the shit out of everything else like it did last season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you have Mono Green and Mono White preying on is it Epiphany and having some struggles against the rest of the metagame. Um, yeah, except for is it Dragons, which just loses to everything. <laughs> I mean, it does. It just has it's sub fifty percent against every matchup. I think I think the day of the is it Dragons is gone. Um, I feel like we it, always say that, and then it just wins the next event. Or, okay, it's it's whenever uh, Utah plays the next event, then he wins it. Never mind, that's right. Yeah, so. I, was thinking that, I was thinking Utah winning with it might have been a bigger outlier for other things, but it's not. I think the deck is kind of stains, and Utah was great with it. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious why this is the case, right? Like, you have you have Orzov control with a 55.6% win rate, and Dragons with 44.5. Those are basically polar opposites of each other i mean they add up to 100 and and it's and it's just it like it's the same battle that we've experienced in standard for months and months now i twitch versus galazeth prismari and i twitch just <laughs> always comes out on top so oh god not the i twitch debate again <laughs> was that the thing that during the pre-show you were like i'm gonna contribute something great yes it was <laughs> yes wow. that was the thing <laughs> I'm glad you told us that now. I'm surprised you remembered. Because <laughs> I was still on the edge of my seat waiting for that something great, but I guess I can sit back in my seat now. Yeah, now yeah, the expectations is, have been destroyed. That's, people, people listening to this, this is what we fucking deal with. Brian is in the pre-show being like, I have something important to say. Yes. And I have such low standards for this man. Yeah. Anytime it's I have he something. He said something that stupid, and I'm like, that's the thing he was holstering. It yeah, is. I think whenever BBD is saying there, he has something very important to say, it's either a very important statement or 95% Ooh. of the time, it's just a very important troll slash pun. No, no, no see, I the thing, I, 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 I know. Is, yeah. I know exactly how Brian operates. I've lived with the man. I've been good friends and best friends with him for almost a decade now. I know he operates. When he's serious or passionate about something, it sounds like he's yelling at you. Yeah. Not screaming. <laughs> yelling. You know, there's a difference, right? Screaming is just loud vocals. Yelling is like very affirmative, direct at you. Yeah. And and all other things are complete fucking nonsense. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Brian. Um, yeah. Thank you for cracking standard. You're welcome. I'm welcome. <laughs> Even though Prismari... Dragon's not even in his. his oh, I know it anymore. hasn't been in the deck for yeah. ages, but <laughs> just it you can't pass on an eye twitch. Oh, too good, too good. Um, but yeah, so um, that's kind of the metagame. But you know, there's one big uh thing that you know, elephant in the room that we have to talk about right away, uh, and we have to get to is Hullbreaker Horror because now that thing's I don't an know- elephant. Jeez. Well, it, it is the elephant in the room for me. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a creature type elephant. Okay, continue. That Please was a Dumbo comment, Corey. <laughs> Sorry, that was the one thing I had a very important <laughs> thing to say in my podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so 
<laughs> and now, and now I'm, I'm going to bring this up to you guys because I don't like this. Could be you know when you're on Twitter and you see someone being like, "I can't believe that people do this thing," and you're like, "Oh shit, people do that thing," and then you dig into it and you're like, one person that's like an egg account said that thing, and then there's just a ton of backlash, right? Oh, uh, see, oftentimes it's like people are like, "I can't believe that people do this," and I'm like, "That's something that I do." <laughs> <laughs> They're, like, making fun of, like, the way people, like, eat some meal or something or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, there might be some outrage, and then you try to find why the outrage started, and it was, like, way less outrage than the outrage that's currently happening. Yeah, the... the, Outrage of outrage. Yeah. Like, one egg account responds to somebody with something, and then suddenly everyone is arguing against a position that doesn't even exist. And so I might be doing that thing right now. Okay. Because of my monkey sphere, like the people that are that I see. Yeah. But like there's just been this huge shift um in people going Hallbreaker Horror is great to Hallbreaker Horror is better than Allrun's Epiphany to Allrun's Epiphany doesn't exist to now we can play decks like Orzov Control because Allrun's Epiphany doesn't exist. And I'm just sitting here this week is like my article is on this topic too and I'm going to go super deep into it in my article and we'll talk about some of the talking points here because not ever there's not crossover in both mediums but like i'm just like what are you talking about like this logic leaps is ridiculous so like hallbreaker horror is great five colorless blue blue seven eight giant flash creature can't be countered and then whenever you cast a spell you can return a spell or permanent um well a spell they control or a permanent either player controls to its owner's hands awesome card right yeah, it is not pushing Allrun's Epiphany out of the metagame. I don't even get why people think that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't even think why they think it's better in the mirror. It's not. It's what we call like, uh, copium, right there. Yeah, it is copium because, like, I've seen people say that it's like it pushed it out of the metagame, and I'm like, why? It's not as good in the mirror, like at all. And then they're like, yeah, Allrun's Epiphany is dead, and I'm like. But why? Like, I don't get why any of this is happening, and I have to put some stops to it, because, like, I don't even think everyone believes it. But, like, I'm just seeing content creators kind of pushing this narrative. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, some of it's from SCG, so I have to, like, you know, shut them down on the same website, because I'm like, this is all nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I can go through some of the points unless, unless either of you have comments already. No, but I, I just mean, can't wait to see the I can't wait to see the SCG article where it's like, you know, everything I know about Hallbreaker Horror being amazing, and then your article, everything I know about why Shaheen Sarani is so fucking wrong about Hallbreaker Horror. I can't wait to see those two well, titles. Well, that's just you a know? fucking evergreen content from me. <laughs> yeah. Like I've been peddling that narrative for years now. Shaheen's still dealing with the backlash for when he was wrong about preordain like 17 years ago. So <laughs> and he'll never financially recover from it. He yeah. will not. He will not. Uh, I just want to say that you have to have a pretty high burden of proof to argue that the best card in the format is suddenly unplayable. Well, the yeah. problem is, is some people will, and and the, and the, and you can't really beat them out of this argument. Never have they believe that Arwen's Epiphany was never the best thing. Okay. Um, and most of the data points for win percentage previously, the faceless saving decks always were on top. Like now, if you just sleuth out the information, you can realize that, you know, the all runs epiphany decks are so good against anything that tries to beat mono green or mono white, that it's all pushed out of the metagame. Yeah. Cause if you, yeah. if you bring a deck that preys on these decks, like Orzov control, 
like the data points do, you're going to beat them 60% of the time, maybe. And, but you're going to lose like 80 or more times to the, is it epiphany deck? Oh yeah. I mean, we can remember no tools. We can remember when the, is it turns deck, like just popped up with divide by zero and stuff. The metagame was pretty open, kind of like what we see at, you know, with these six different decks or whatever. And then it just, everything changed. You know, it was, it was, you have to play green or white to be able to answer that deck or you are going to get destroyed. So playing that deck on the ladder for that first week was just amazing. It's just like, oh my God, it's just free win after free win. And yeah, after that got adjusted, then of course the deck was not as busted, but still great. And here's the spot where I figured out that my audio issues were happening. All right. Brad thought we were doing the Aspros podcast and was recording from <laughs> a Johnny Blue. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking good. <laughs> All right, so we're back. What were we talking about? I don't know. Not a clue. Okay, well, we'll... not. A... Oh no, I think we were just talking about Hallbreaker and the difference with Allrun's Epiphany. And uh, I guess the one question I was going to ask is, do, like, what do, what do you envision for Is it Dex if Hallbreaker isn't the main thing? Do you think it's just like zero that card and just? four all runs in the main or you like some in the board no, like, one in the main like what's your ideal configuration right now if you had to play a standard event tomorrow? i don't have one i can't answer that um like but like you know what would you be leaning oh with? i definitely i honestly have no clue i definitely <laughs> think the deck should have access to at least two whether there's right. one main or two in the main or two in the sideboard um even like seth was streaming a list that had the all runs in the sideboard and was playing two hall breakers some dra- some goldsman dragons and Lear main deck um because it's better well seth did it it's got to be right well and he played four and top aided or top 16 the uh the rebel last weekend too and now and i'm not defending whatever seth's decks are when seth does well because he's the ham sandwich aficionado right like he can win any yeah, tournament yeah, with yeah. anything he top aided a goddamn pro tour with like some unplayable esper control deck that his entire team went like 30 percent with you know <laughs> yeah, that, that deck was so bad it was so bad like, so i mean it, it's almost amazing how bad the deck was yeah it was almost as bad as that esper hero deck that was big for a while like oh <laughs> yeah that deck sucked Pain brian is. didn't even make day three with it when he started on day two <laughs> yeah true <laughs> yeah that true. deck fucking true. sucked fucking sucked <laughs> it couldn't it could never win a tournament for sure yeah for sure couldn't <laughs> <laughs> not with the pilot it had because I'm, yeah, rot- I'm a rotten ham sandwich. I need my deck to perform well, and I still need to play well. <laughs> yeah, this, and you uh, gotta have some big creatures in there. I don't know if Lear and Dragon really belong together. Well, but... we, we don't have to go into the specifics. I agree with that. Um, I do think that a list with seven, in the 75, both those cards can live together. Same with Hallbreak Horror. Um, yeah. I just think there's a combination. I was going to say, I won the Invitational with Goldspan and Lear. Thank you very much, Brian Brondoen. But Yeah. You're welcome, Corey Baumeister. <laughs> but I definitely think that there's homes for all these cards. But what, what what's important <coughs> is that All Runs Epiphany almost assuredly deserves a home in this deck, probably in the main deck. Because the the obvious reason is if, if, all, if Hullbreaker Horror is so good and it becomes this main thing and you play it in your main deck, you're exploitable to removal spells first off. Yeah. Um you're you're then your then your deck also becomes more exploitable to like mind rot effects because you need this critical mass of mana to make it work. But the biggest thing is in the mirror matches against Arn's Epiphany, I don't know why people think it's a better choice because if you play 
Hullbreak Horror at the top end, you don't have as much use for Galvatic Iteration, and you might not even play the card. And if you don't play it, then sure, you might still have that like gimmicky, unexpected windfall to generate the mana to play the Spellbreaker and actually hold up spells. But they have Galvatic Iteration, so their six mana, like, make four treasures is huge. And if you're building your deck around Hullbreak Horror, like, they can just Fading Hope it. You play it for seven mana at the end of the turn. Who cares? I've had these fading hopes rotting my hand, you know? Like, mm-hmm. bounce it when it's re- irrelevant, and I'll temple you out by getting a bunch of mana advantage, and I'll take a bunch of turns. And... Yeah, the the one thing it seems amazing to me against is mono green, but, like, I that's the only thing where it just screams, like, yeah, this card is good, you know? Like, I, otherwise, it, it's a fine card in every matchup just because it's a good card on, you know, for seven mana. But for seven mana, it, it should be pretty good. So it just comes down to like, here's my reasoning is, and, and maybe it's content creators that just want to make content and want to like say something very interesting. And, and, and that might also not be it. So I'm not putting that, that on them. I'm just trying to understand it because the obvious thing about standard has always been finding deviations from your plan a. And so like hope, Breaker Horror is a great deviation. You have the sorcery speed game plan, but you also have these spells that can be played at instant speed, and you could just throw a threat down. And and when you draw it, it's good, but you don't draw too many of them. And if you only have subtle amounts of these cards, then people have those problems. It's like, oh, my opponent only has like three creatures that these Valorous Stances hit. Do I play all four of them? How many Doom Blades should I have in my deck? Because they only have three. But if your deck is just, you know, based around Leers and Hullbreakers, Without any deviation on that, they're just like, oh, I just have to make sure I can answer those pivotal turns and I can probably take over the game. And so... Yeah. But yeah, go, you, <laughs> uh, you take it home for me. I mean, I, I this could be very well be wrong, but it seems to me that you would want a deck that's main game plan is still Galvanic Iteration, All Runs Epiphany, and then... After sideboard, when people are adjusting to that, um, with whatever it may be, that's where having a, a Lear, Hallbreaker type game plan where you can transition out of something that people are sideboarding in to hate against exactly. like seem, seems like a viable strategy to me. Um, yeah. But like ga- game ones, I mean, it, 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 and this is just a generic thing, but it's like, you know, you know, if this Orzov control decks a thing or whatever, it's like game ones, like you're just playing into their removal spells and like you're just, you're, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't seem like that's the kind of thing that you want to be doing game one. Um, that, that seems like a much better post board plan as a counteracting strategy to what other people are doing against you. Yeah, that seems that like, sense. no, that makes total sense because that's exactly how I feel about the way I, I envision building is it is just like creatureless in the main, maybe one horror or something, one leer if you're feeling froggy. Um, but really just creature less in the main, do the all runs thing, uh, have a good amount of removal because especially now aggro is so prevalent, mono white seems to be dominating early. So I would have a lot more removal than I've had in previous is it decks in the main and then post board have these cards for the mirror, have a bunch of creatures, have leers, have Hullbreak horrors, and honestly bring them in like as you see fit, like sometimes don't bring in horror um, because you, you know, if you think these mono white decks are going to side into Valorous stance or something like that, giving you the ability to juke 
when it comes to like, let's say game two, you bring in horror and you win because of it. So naturally game three, they're going to bring in answers for it. Then you take it out. You know, I love being able to have the room to juke like that instead of just, this is my game plan game one. And then, you know, I'm either going to take it out or not. I, I I don't know that that's how I envision building. Is it here for week two? Yeah. I, having a one dimensional game plan in game one can be totally fine because people Unless, unless it's a format where people are pre-boarding against you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, the, it's kind like, of like it is kind of what's happening. Like mono white and mono green are popular because they prey on is it right? So yeah, to some extent, that is kind of the format. I just think um, white is a good deck, though. Like I, I, I think I, I think mono green probably preys on is it a bit, but I think mono white is just a very, very good deck. I think it was the best choice for the invitational. Um, and you know, we'll see for week two here when I think a lot of meat hook massacres are going to come. I think a lot of like main deck cinder clausms, battle frost and fires from the is it deck. Like I, I, I expect this coming up weekend to just be overcorrected for mono white and people are going to be I, like, yeah, I, I, it dominated. I, I bet it's yeah. not. And I bet it still has the same win percentage. I mean, I really, you don't think people are going to be, I mean, you know, a little, putting... a little bit, but I still bet it puts up like 56% win percentage. I mean, even look at Cessless here. He's he's thinking the same way. There's two Cinderclasms in the main. You know that's for Mono White. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, my last week's list had two Cinderclasms main as well. Yeah. Um, no, I, I completely agree with you, but it's also just Seth's list that we pulled off of, you know, online. Like, we'll see what people actually do because every Cinderclasm we play in the main, which they are getting a little bit better against green. But even that, like, Cinderclasm, the only reason I like Cinderclasm is in the main is when <laughs> I play a ton of Galvatic iterations, and his list can't do that. Um, yeah, and Cinderclasm is getting a little bit better against green, like like you said, but because they just have like the one drop, that's a two one. Yep. Um, you know, even I, I've been seeing some lists that play Cobra. like Lotus Cobra as mm-hmm. well to really ramp into like a more you know dynamic spread of four drops that like kind of questing beast style card. I saw some lists. Um, so you know, I I think Cinderclasm is a pretty solid main deck card. Where, you know, I still love me some Battle of Frost and Fire. I, I still love that card. Yeah. For game one, I think it's almost always bad against every deck. You know, like, even even the aggro decks, I think it gets a lot worse post-board. But mm-hmm. One other thing I want to say about, like, Hallbreaker is that um, I don't think that you can just transition, is it, from Allruns to Hallbreaker? Like, I, I think that Hallbreaker... And and this like you know I I I'm not that tuned into magic these days so feel free to correct me if this is just way off base but like Hallbreaker requires you to cast a ton of spells and these is it decks are not built with traditional card advantage in mind like your like a lot like some of the cards are like your cycling cards you know like unexpected mm-hmm. windfalls kind of your like your cycling cards you're not really generating massive card advantage there because you're just trying to accelerate to a point where you can take a million turns in a row and kill them with like a bunch of one one flyers or whatever um if you like i feel like if you want to maximize a card like hallbreaker you actually want to generate a significant amount of actual card advantage. Well, I don't know. Cessless uh, change added two considers, so I think he's completely revamped <laughs> the deck to uh, facilitate Hallbreak Horror. He did consider it, yeah. So <laughs> He considered his option. Uh, so, I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, I, I, no that does make I, sense. I do no. get it, uh, but if you played it out, like what I realized when I played Hallbreak Horror is that 
your spike filled hazards, you know, your lands are also spells later in the game. And, right. and, um, you know, Galvatic iteration can be a spell. Your, your cathartic pyre can be a spell. Like, but these are decisions that actually matter. Like if you play cathartic pyre, you can still cast that and loot some of your lands away and interact with the spell. Um, whereas yeah. a different removal spell, I guess, I mean, you could just target the Hellbreak Horror. But, like, you you end up actually having usually enough resources because the effect it actually has is bonkers. Um, and so I've never really ran out of gas with it, uh, but I've also never played it in a deck with other creatures and not Epiphanies to lean on. Yeah. So yeah. I have no idea. And it's... It also seems pretty weird to me that the Celestis is popping up more in numbers to help out your all spells card. Like that is still pretty weird to me. You know, like I, I think Celestis is just a good card and that could be a reason why it still should have just been in these is it decks before. But it doesn't make sense that now that we're playing a bunch of Hallbreak Horrors, now we need to add the Celestis, you know? Well, I think that well, that a lot of people were high on the dragon for a while. And, or the Smoldering Egg, and Smoldering Egg and Celestis don't really work well together. But, I mean, same with Hallbreak Horror and Celestis, right? I guess it's a little bit better why, because why don't you pass they work, the turn a lot more. Why don't they work well together? Well, it's not a spell where you get to trigger it when you play no, it. No, but, but you, I mean, can just, it, it, you can dump the Hallbreak Horror in your graveyard if you're, like, not going to get there, right? That's a good point. That is, that is probably one of the main reasons why... Seth played a lot of Celestis when you play four Hallbreaker Horrors. He just said, like, all right, turn six... I'm going to have Hallbreaker Horror, but if a, if it's clunky, I get to say go, discard it if I have two of them. That, that does make sense, I, I suppose. But when you go down to just two of it, I think that seems a lot worse. I don't think we need to, we're focusing way too much on Seth's build. Um, yeah, just because, that, like, he's just trying things out, and that's that's his, like, streaming deck list. Like, I, I don't know yeah, if Celestis is yeah. good or not. I'm just talking about the, the, the broad strokesness that Hallbreak Horror is not pushing Auron's Epiphany out. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. We got to focus on Crokey's' builds, not Cess. That that was foolish of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I mean, so I, I mean, that's just the broad strokes of it. For for is it? I have no idea how to build the deck. None. But to yeah. think that Auron's Epiphany is no longer a part of the metagame, or that Hullbreaker Horror is pushing it out, is just clickbait, in my opinion. It's not happening. Is it Epiphany still going to beat the shit out of everything else? Because the reason why is Galvatic Iteration, Unexpected Windfall, and Arms Epiphany beats non-aggressive decks. It just does. Yeah. It's just like there's there's just nothing else to do. Like like the Demir decks are favored if they literally are just four duress, four witch, four mind rot. You know, like they're just like hyper focused for hermit. You know, like man, I totally disagree. I played that Demir. I mean, that was my finals matchup. And, you know, I played it a couple times before that. I think it's just a much worse deck. They had that exact spread that you're talking about. I just do not think that's a very good deck. Of course, smallish sample size, but... It might not be the uh, case I anymore, I but it, it, I mean... I just don't think it was. Statistically, it was. Like, the data was so, pointing for a while that it was better. Sure. So, Demir seems like the kind of deck that would love Hallbreaker Horror because Allruns doesn't seem like... You know, like, I, I think that... Hallbreaker yeah. Horror and Auron's Epiphany are just very <laughs> different cards that go into very different decks. They mm -hmm. seem like they can both exist in the same format, 
but not it's not i don't think they're competing for the same yeah. space in the same deck. no the- yeah that seems to be awesome actually i mean because you already play a bunch of duress you already play considers it seems like it goes into that show a lot i just imagine like duressing my opponent when they have an empty hand you just like okay duress you bounce your chariot take the chariot like that would just be so well, that would be that would be cool but like my i, I mean i'm so gonna cool. be the uh the naysayer here because those decks, I just don't think... I don't think you can generate enough velocity in this format for a Demir deck to rely on a 7-drop because, like, games are over so quickly these days, and, like, you know, Hand Disruption is a resource denial spell for both players when a card like Hellbreak Heart wants resources. So, yeah, so that, that's what I was talking about with, like, you actually you have to have actual card... Especially in a deck like the Demir deck, you would need actual card advantage. And whether the format ha- gives you time to play cards that generate card advantage and aren't just cycling cards like consider or whatever. I mean, that. I mean, it's teachings. That's it. It's divide by zero in teachings. That's the only true card advantage in like really yeah. the metagame right teachings now. Teachings is the blue black two drop, right? No, teachings is the sideboard lesson. Oh, no. Blue black has access to that two drop that can like find them lands. Siph- Siphon insight or whatever. Yeah. But how does that card yeah. read again? Does do they get a full yeah. turn cycle for it, right? Or no, they just get it forever, right? It's forever, no, yeah. yeah. It's forever, but I mean, it's think twice essentially. But you, you, I mean, I don't know if I can consider that card advantage. Of course, you're paying five mana and you're getting two cards out of it, but like, you could be playing against mono white where you're getting just shitty one drops and stuff and then like that's not really getting getting you're getting lands yeah you're getting you're getting your that's true that's true you're getting to seven mana off of one card not saying this Mm -hmm. is good i'm saying like if i'm building a hull breach horror demir deck i'm looking for ways to generate advantage that doesn't take the investments that the four drops do because that's the problem is like i might want to play a cheap removal spell and a siphon inside on the same turn i don't want to invest four mana into drawing two cards uh, yeah, at one that, I mean, that's really that's really the only card advantage spell that it makes sense in the metagame is Memory Deluge, and that card just isn't that good right now. You just don't have the time to no, be casting that card, especially in a Thalia world, you know? Yeah, you need a you need a divination. That's I mean, better than divination, but that's what you need. Like, but yeah. yeah. So I I mean, I'm under the impression that Hellbreak Horror, Hellbreaker Horror is a very fantastic card. But it is not the kind of it's not Trencher Gear Hulk that you just build a deck around it and it's going to function. I feel mm-hmm. I feel like that like nowadays in standard you find supplemental things to deviate game plans for already powerful things, and the powerful thing is Allrun's Epiphany. And and so you can add some dragons, some leers, some hullbreakers, some hermits or smoldering eggs, whatever, to create a game plan that lets you exploit or prioritize certain things about a matchup but if you just build the creature based version without all epiphany stuff then they will be able to exploit your your on the surface just like linear strategy so that it's also all epiphany is managing to be a successful strategy in a format completely designed to beat that card yes yeah and so the the the, the notion that all, all runs epiphany is dead and now we can play all these random things we couldn't play before is is crazy to me because then all runs epiphany just comes back and dominates again when no one is playing you know what i'm saying like oh yeah and like and i don't know I how don't many know. people share that i've just seen it by a few clickbaity um content creators like not clickbaity i like these people but they're like hammering this home and it's really turning my gears because i'm like like it's even like um 
an SCG employee talked to me after the invitational and they're like, you know, is it epiphany isn't doing that well? Uh, you know, why, why, you know, it, you know, I, I never understood why it should get banned. And I kind of like went off, not went off bad, but you know, like educational, it's like, is it epiphany five went, we're in top eight with, is it epiphany? And the deck still has a above 50% warp percentage in an entire metagame warp to beat it. Yeah, dude, you made Shaheen cry. That was not cool. <laughs> no, no, but like, like, you know, and that's the big point that has to be talked about. Like if any, any of any of these people that are like, Look at the percentage. Aurid's epiphany's not good enough. It, you know, it doesn't deserve to be banned. It's like, uh, like, just don't talk to me. Like yeah. you're just you're just trolling, or you don't understand what you're talking about because this entire metagame is focused on a single strategy, and it's still putting up an above fifty percent web percentage. You couldn't do that. Like, let's see mono white fucking do that. Like, let's see mono also- green. Like mono like none of these decks could possibly do that. <laughs> It was also such a skewed thing as far as the Envy top eight goes. Like, I mean, there was like four of us in the top eight that had seven, one or better records in modern that were oh, playing. Oh, for it. sure. Yes. It's just like the good players played is it as a default and then they were just good at modern as well. So like I know, Envy, you just cannot take data from, you know, because it's just so different. But well, but, I mean, they, but, the, but the haters too, right? take like, data from the other tournaments and use it against us, Corey. Oh yeah, yeah. You okay. gotta rub I for- it. I forgot. You gotta rub their nose in it when you can. You're right. I forgot it was us against them. That's right. That's that's the whole philosophy of uh, MPL, right? It was just us <laughs> against them. I knew it. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Hey, Brian. Right. That's the whole philosophy Brian, of everything. Brian, we right? actually get to eat the rich now. We're out. <laughs> yeah, you guys are the rivals. You, you fuck those MPL. Pe- no, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. kidding. <laughs> Kai Bud sucks. Kai Bud sucks. <laughs> it is nice to see Kai Buddha in the MPL, though. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, the yeah. the little one gets one every once in a while. <laughs> it's nice to see the the underdogs really finally come back to fame. Yeah, you know? yeah. But all right, so so to put a pin in my general like uh, ideas about this format, um, to to spin is, and this is the harsh truth of it right now. I think there there are four decks that you can pick from in this format. Mono white or mono green, obviously. You can pick, like, yep. the top lists. They're all pretty good. Um, there's not a lot of deviation from them. Just select one of those. I think Jun Treasures is a deck. That's the next deck I'm going to start exploring. I'm probably going to stream it this week. I, actually, this comes out Thursday. I'm probably going to be streaming it tomorrow. I want to learn more about Jun Treasures. Uh, I need to I need to break away from Is It Epiphany. I keep playing it too much. But I think Jun Treasures seems awesome. And it's also one of the decks that has consistently put up decent win percentages. Um, and then, uh, is it epiphany and not these, you know, gimmicky hallbreaker horrors or all the other decks. I would just not touch any of them. You can, if you want to, the data suggests you shouldn't my, the logic yep. of the format suggests you shouldn't. You heard it here first guys. John guy is going to play John. Got it. I mean, I'm going to try John. <laughs> Hear me out. Like I'm going to try it. <laughs> Dude, I I feel that that I have broken my biasness for for being like one of the biggest proponent of is it Epiphany for the last two months. At this point, you realize that I only play what I think is the best deck and Judd is the best deck in modern. Because you just you just broke up. I don't know if Corey could hear you. Yeah, I thought you did that on purpose that you were just like insert target thing. And then also Jund is the best deck in modern because that's all we heard, which was funny, but. 
Oh, I mean, my the the audacity would tell you exactly what uh, what was said, and uh, you'll hear. Oh, I'm gonna listen back, yeah, and I'm gonna. You'll, you'll... It's gonna be a cliffhanger till tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's it, it's great content for us that we don't actually know what's in our own podcast until we <laughs> have to listen back to it. Uh, speaking, Jonathan just actually edits most of what we say. Speaking out. Speaking of which, anyway, because so. of my toilet beginning of this, and I apologize again to everyone that had to hear the bad audio. I cannot believe I've I had for an hour and a half this mic practically up my nose so close to my face and it was like the webcam taking the audio how ridiculous is that <laughs> i finally realized that when i leaned away and coughed and like my audio spiked on a acid i'm like well that shouldn't happen <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly would it be a bash bros podcast if we didn't have some tech problems if it just ran smoothly like i mean you know that's what constructed resources is for is a smooth podcast. Yeah, you know? const- constructed, <laughs> limited, arena. Like, you know, all of them. They figured all their shit out. Us, hell no. We're almost at our two year anniversary, actually. Maybe we've two hit years? it. We might have wow, we might have hit years? it. Yeah. It really feels like ten. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> feels like I've been doing this my entire life and that my entire life has been horrifically bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. And, uh, I guess with that, um let's uh let's let's yeah, let's thank all of our wonderful supporters of the Bash Rose podcast. Truly we appreciate all of you uh, immensely. And uh Right now, we're going to talk about all of our cast and crew. And if you go to patreon.com slash podcast, you can support the show and become part of our cast and crew. And we put you to work. Damn right. Damn right we do. All right. And I am first up. Uh, we got Oppo back, Opposition's researcher, uh, digs up dirt on all of our enemies. So don't become an enemy of any of us. And Oppo, I'm so glad you're back. It, uh, just for all of you that didn't know, uh, Oppo top eight of the invitation with us. Uh, Invited out to dinner, and at dinner, I threatened him to join back, so he did. Yep, and I, <laughs> I, I Brian, this a, is an I honest pl- story. I was like, yeah, "Oh, I, you used my, you used uh, the information you learned from our podcast to, uh, to top eight. Oh, you played the yeah. same deck that I was talking about. Oh, cool. Why aren't you on the cast and crew anymore?" <laughs> and it was a joke, but then he said he joined up. <laughs> And then I played uh, shot games with him that night. Since we split, I was like, all right, let's just have some fun. And I lost every single credit card game for shots. Ooh, how many so, did y'all have? Yeah. Oh, I think we had like three. And then took a nice Uber home. It was, uh, it was a good night. I was, oh, you know, you... a little bit of a hungover Goku in the next day, but I lived. And you won. You lost three consecutive credit card ga- <laughs> games. <laughs> I was really trying to Never... be BBD. Never experienced that before. Uh, we got Joe. <laughs> Joe is our response and recourse consultant. So the dirt dug up by Oppo, that is carried out by Joe. Joe is the, the muscle behind it. So I don't know why our podcast became kind of like, you know, involved in these turf wars with other podcasts where we threaten them and then carry out justice but that's where we're at now well so. we just have to swing at the the big ones to get their attention because it's, it's good for us mm-hmm. True. like if we get lsv <laughs> to tweet out like oh the bash rose podcast i've never heard of them that would be a good thing yeah that yes, would be good would. yeah that would actually be great yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're we're like the Jokic of podcasts like you know we don't come at you first but we'll still 
No, that, we that reference doesn't work. Someone like Andrea Mangushi to tweet out Bash Bros podcast. That's probably the worst podcast I've unfortunately had the unpleasure of listening to. That would probably be great for us. Or being on. Well, you heard it, Mangucci. If somehow you're still listening to this on your walk, <laughs> yeah. if your walk somehow went two hours long, buddy, please send out that tweet and we'll, uh, we'll appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Next up, we have Tosilo, our highest patron, which gets the most credit. And Tosilo also gets the most credit because he's middle management. That's where you just get all the praise. And if anything goes wrong, you get to blame down. You get to punch down. So uh, Tosilo does it best. Oh, speaking of which, um, Tosilo was in chat the other day when I was streaming and uh, we talked about it. It's been so long. And uh, Among Us added a new patch with like new roles and stuff. Like adding something like, you know, those werewolf-esque roles that have popularized in the mod stuff. But uh, I kind of want to have another. Okay, they're getting desperate, huh? Well, they're ge- they're slow to the punch. Okay. Um, they should have done this, yeah. But the game's very dead. Um, I don't know how okay. many people play it, but it's kind of gotten resurgence with people trying it again. I don't want to go back to playing the game, but I do want to play it for a night and hang out. And I had so much fun with the BBP casting crew last time. So anyone that is interested from the casting crew or any any of you patrons that are in the Discord. Uh, hit me up in there. We'll start a night. And Brian, I would love it if you played with us. Yeah, Brian, I'd love be, to lie to you a, digitally. It would just be a one-night thing. Who cares if you've never played? Just a one-night stand, bud. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe. L- we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'd love to lie to you digitally. <laughs> you do it all the time. Yeah, I do it all the time. Yeah, go. Good point. Good point. All right, next up, we got Adam, who is BBP's personal hype man. <clears throat> His job is to stand behind... Brian Brown doing all the time, mic in hand, and hype every yes. all the shit that BBD is doing. And so, I mean, I, earlier oh, today, yeah. I heard Adam going like, fuck yeah, cry in that corner. Life is <laughs> miserable. Life is miserable. <laughs> yeah, like when you were streaming the other day, that was pretty awkward. You know, it was like I was hearing double. I thought it was because there were like a setting was wrong and you had like a delay or something. But it was just Adam, you know, hyping you up two minutes later. It was it was nice. True, true. What also is true is that Brandon is the official BBP spokesperson, uh, which comes down to being the official BBP scapegoat. Mm. Um, Yeah, we we actually, it was was awkward. We sent Brandon to a press release and we thought it was at a hotel, but it was actually at a construction zone. Oh, God, that'd be embarrassing. it, It was very embarrassing. God. Damn, that was so funny. Was that like almost just a year ago, wasn't it? It just happened, yeah. 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 All right, next up we got Steve, and Steve is our Bash Bros podcast task rabbit, and Steve's task this last weekend was to get married. So congratulations, Steve. He got married this weekend. Woo! (laughs) We love you, buddy. Congrats, and uh, yeah, keep doing tasks for us and paying us. Well, I'm the one that has to do a task. I got to get him his cards tomorrow. Because I, I don't have a car because Amber's to work, but we, she's going to an appointment, so I have time to to mail his cards back and a, and a couple other something somethings for for thanking him. Wow, classic Jun guy, forty five percent reliable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> All right, next up we got DJ, who is BBP's official lobbyist. Um, our jobs used to just ha- we used to have people actually work in the office, and like now we just have people out there like digging up dirt and lobbying information like it it actually sounds like we are just becoming like one of us one of us should run for office 
Yeah, we're, we're just becoming the, House of Cards. Absolutely. We're just the baddies now. Yeah, we're like, just the baddies. <laughs> yeah, everyone thinks of themselves as the protagonists of their own story. We are the antagonists of our own stories. <laughs> it's pretty messed up. Speaking of messed up, we have Bino Gatista. Oh, God, what happened now? So, last we heard, Bino had been signed by the Boston Celtics after having made a halftime uh, half-court shot, but mm. got into a mid-game brawl with Jokic, and the Celtics actually released Bino, mm. and was supposed to actually come onto this podcast to talk about the situation, but is laying low right now. I would lay to low, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joe, Joe was like, Mm-mm, "Can't, can't have this heat. Not this week." <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we got Esarudi, and that is our business analyst. You know, whenever we need any kind of business to be analyzed, Esarudi's there, and um, yeah, that's it. Ooh, this next up, we got Wapa, who's the Lord of Puff Puffs. Brian, I took second with a Puff Puff build the other day. That is impressive. Yeah, I just I just was doing it with the the two twelve and the puff puffs because that's all I could really get. But then they were kind of scaling. I ran yeah. into somebody uh, the other day who had like a massive upgraded good boy and a full board of puff puffs, and I I had gloves of thieving and I stole their good boy yeah, and then it was over eliminated them in the, in that same fight and then won the lobby <laughs> with their upgraded good boy. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's crazy. Cause I was just in Denver and there was like a Lord of the puff puff on one street corner. And then I'd walk to the next street corner. There was another Lord of the puff puffs. Like, I mean, it was just, it was did, puff did city, any really. of them pass same, same in Washington state. No, none of them were passing. It's it's COVID, you know, yeah. so it's it's all about keeping it uh, close to your heart. <laughs> all right, we got Adham. That is our ghost writer. He actually wrote in a subscript for this week where Brad's mic took a shit on his chest. It was. It was we all <laughs> thought it was crazy. We thought the show was jumping the shark, but Adham was like, no, nah, this is prime entertainment. <laughs> oh, God. All right, next up, we got Paul Ka. Don't have it. Fuck. I'm out. Sarowski, who is BBD's wall staring photographer, fresh out of Diet Pepsi again. Amber bought a 24 pack randomly, so we got a 24 pack out there, but I ain't going to get it. I'm too lazy. So you went to rehab, huh, BBD? Yeah, (laughs) I'm back back in rehab for my uh, (laughs) addiction to the to the double to the double double DPS. Yep. All right, we got Phil, who we don't know what he does, but we do know that his performance reviews every month are incredibly good. So whatever he does, he's amazing at it. We just have no clue what that might be. We actually met Phil at the Invitational, and we did confirm that, yes, he he does do that. Cool. Mm -hmm. Great. Yep, next up we got Sultan Abasi, and that's our designated mana dork. And this week, it's got to be the card that's on top of the metagame right now. I twitch searching up environmental sciences to gain an extra mana. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Last but not least. Powerful lines. (laughs) Last but not least, we got Garamaldi, who is our merch store manager. And you can go on a link if you're listening to this on Poppy Night to Spider-Verse Pitcher. There is a sleeve link right there to MTG Pro Shop where you can buy 
our our own merchandise, one of which is our brand new sleeves. So go take a look at those. They're really awesome. They're they're with that uh, Mario uh, look, and they're awesome. And maybe if I maybe if I get all my ducks in a row, I'll mail you out some tomorrow, Brian. But I'll probably do that later. Yeah, so I you're prefer 40, you're forty eight percent for that to to happen. No, I'm like fucking ten percent at best. Yeah. Honestly, instead of <laughs> instead of giving me some sleeves, would you just give me some of those ducks? We've always wanted those. Like, if you're gonna put them in a row, you might as well just like share them at least. I mean, yeah, you can have my ducks. Sweet. Is this a sexual thing? <laughs> I mean, I hope it is. <laughs> quack quack. Baby. We can finally get on one of those websites where they're always talking about stepbrothers. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> check please <laughs> alright well that'll be doing it uh, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the podcast and see you later Yay. Okay.